0: out the oven it's cinema bums i'm emmett and i'm wade cinema bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time today we are continuing our listener submitted and selected mini-series entitled won't you take it to wetiti town covering every film directed by taika waititi we will fully spoil today's film, Thor Ragnarok, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Wade, how are you doing t- this afternoon, evening? I'm doing good,
1: Emmett. I have a question, uh-huh. but I think we should introduce our guest and then hash it all out.
0: Okay. Uh, how are how are you? I'm, I'm also doing well. I'm having a lovely afternoon. It's It's only February... But for some reason, in Central North Carolina, it's beginning to feel like spring, and uh, I feel alive again. I especially feel alive Mm -hmm. because today we're honored to have a special guest. Returning to the pod, please welcome Josh Sutton!
2: Thank you, thank you.
0: How's it going, Josh? Yeah, how's it
1: going?
2: Pretty good. Home for the weekend from college, so...
0: Excellent. Very exciting.
1: So, here's my question. You said in the intro that we are not going to spoil any future entries in this series. Uh Uh-huh. Meaning we are not going to spoil Jojo Rabbit. Yes. But what is our policy on spoilers for all of the MCU movies, which this movie (laughs) is also a part of?
0: Um, hmm. Let me say this. Okay. If you have not at this point seen or know what happens in the movies that come after this in the MCU series, in the big reveals who lives, who dies, who winds up with a happy ending versus who gets defeated and has their head chopped off multiple times. You know, I'd say that you've been living under a rock much as I have. So I would say that spoilers for everything in the MCU, because I think there's parts of this movie that are too good too much fun to talk about that we would be cutting ourselves off from. And that's not really the series that we're doing right now. We are doing the films of Taika Waititi, so. Cool. And as we know, Cinema Bums will probably never do the MCU movies. <laughs> probably, as a whole. So, I think it's, it's safe for us to step into that territory. Josh, what is your... What's your previous experience, with with the films of Taika Waititi, and then a little bit, you know, about the the history with the Thor franchise and the greater MCU? Well, I've
2: seen all the MCU movies. Mm -hmm. I saw this movie in theaters, and I've seen it a bunch more times.
1: At what point did you start, like, with the MCU in terms of, like, was it from the first Iron Man, or at what point did you start watching them as they came out?
2: Mm, That's a good question. I think for the first Iron Man, I was a little too young, Mm -hmm. so I would say maybe close to like Thor, Dark World, Iron Man 3 type thing, Mm -hmm. probably around there.
1: Started Phase 2. And Josh is a certified major MCU fan. There was no one else we were going to have on our first MCU episode. Emmet, what about what about you? What's your MCU history? And I want to know: Did you see this in theaters? Were you keeping up with it? Was it word of mouth? How did this one get to you?
0: I definitely didn't watch all of the MCU movies like as they were coming out, and still haven't seen some of them. I definitely never have seen the original Thor. Hmm. I wasn't ever consistently watching the MCU movies as a series. But was like checking in, particularly with Guardians of the Galaxy. I just ended up going to them a lot, but was would like go to the big ones like the America Captain America and the Avengers, but then maybe miss some of these more interstitial ones. Mm-hmm. I think that I saw this movie in theaters, but I honestly can't say. I had seen it before and had enjoyed it. And I'd seen Thor Dark World in theaters and had just kind of been nonplussed by that at the time, but had never, I never revisited it. Mm -hmm. And you said before I watched it, I was asked what I should know going in. And you said the two movies that kind of lead into this are Age of Ultron and Thor Dark World, but that neither of those is particularly worth the amount of watching that you would have to do is not particularly worth it for the amount of setup that they give for this film. And so I I didn't revisit them. Mm-hmm. I really liked this movie as a standalone movie. Okay. And I think it becomes a standalone movie about 25 minutes in. And from there, I'm like really into it. It feels like a lot. It's like clearing up a lot of stuff and setting up a lot of stuff that becomes later important in like Infinity War, which I think is its direct sequel in timeline sequence. Right? Yes. And...
1: Not in chronology release order, but in timeline, Infinity War starts 10 minutes after the end of this.
0: Yeah. And so I think there's like, I like Infinity War and I like Endgame. I think that this movie does a good job of setting those up, but I do think that first 30 minutes doesn't pay off until those movies and that the other, the other like hour 40 of this movie that happens after it is all like kind of its own thing um, and pretty cool. What are your views on the series as a whole?
1: Well, I came in like a lot of people of our age, Emmett, with the Avengers, seeing Mm -hmm. the Avengers in theaters. Mm -hmm. I think I maybe like binged the phase one leading up to that because I hadn't I didn't watch any of them until that came out Mm -hmm. uh, and was very just, you know, Like, everyone I think you saw in theaters, it felt very fresh and very fun. Mm -hmm. It was, like, a fun, comics-accurate, like, exciting sort of movie when it came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially I Want to Cast Our Minds back to 2012. That was the summer where that came out and also The Dark Knight Rises came out. Ooh. Which was, like, so serious and like three plus hours long and kind of overblown. So I think that that made Avengers feel even more exciting. Yeah. So from then on, I've watched pretty much everything as it comes out, or at least close to when it comes out. The Thor movies, I don't really like the first one very much. Mm -hmm. The second one, the dark world is the one that people really rag on, but I think it's better than the first um, I think the Dark World has a lot more com. Well, really, both of the first two are kind of comedies. Hmm. Not as much as this at all. But the first one is kind of like a fish out of water comedy about him going to Earth. Hmm. My problem with that movie is not like the direction or the story. It's just that that is like I think the cheapest of the Marvel movies. They have like two hallways for Asgard. Oh, I got you. And the big finale is that he fights this, like, 60s space robot in the middle of the desert, and it's just, like, a big robot with laser vision and him fighting it, and that's, like, the whole thing. It was a simpler time. It was. (laughs) It was a simpler time. So I liked the second one even more, and that first bit, I think, is more so paying off the end of the second movie that you're talking about, Emmett. Mm Mm-hmm because the the dark world ends with this big twist that Loki, who dies halfway through the movie, is actually alive, has hmm. done something with Odin, maybe killed him, maybe moved him, and is pretending to be Odin
0: right. I do remember that's like the last reveal of that movie, right
1: mm-hmm, and so this and this movie, especially when it came out, Thor Ragnarok, this is right in the middle of like a run of. Really top tier MCU, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite stuff when it, when I felt like they were really starting to branch out, but also like going full speed ahead towards the finale of the thing. This is in the run of like just in basically a calendar year from summer 2017 to summer 2018. There was Guardians 2, Spider Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok. Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War.
0: That's a pretty incredible year.
1: Yeah, so that was so exciting. And this is sort of right in the middle of that. Yeah, so it's cool to hear you say that, Emmett, that you thought it worked as a standalone. Mm -hmm. Because I... It was weird for me watching it like this, which Mm. I don't normally do. And certainly it kind of feels like some of just the fact that it's in a larger universe makes like the very ending feel a little weird. Or like you can tell that some of the character growth is like coming over halfway through from other movies, or it ends with like one final step yet to come in the next movies, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well I would still say that there's character development at all sets it apart from, say, the X Men films. So
2: Speaking of Logan also came out this same year too.
0: Oh, huh. Yes, that is a good point. So this was the year of like prestige directors taking on the Marvel properties, too, huh? Uh, Josh, did you vote for this in Bumtober? I don't think it was my final vote, but I mm. definitely did along the way. Cool. Mm-hmm. And just to jump right in, would you say that this film is a flop or a bop?
2: I would definitely give this film a bop. I think... Yeah. Not only is it, like, a great movie, but it's, like, one of the best MCU movies. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, got great action, and it's hilarious, and kind of, like, checks all the boxes.
0: Wade, flop or bop?
1: Yeah, Bob for me. I love this movie. It's so funny. Like Josh said, it is really exciting. It feels really fresh and colorful. It's a very weird movie. I think it's safe to say that. Mm-hmm. Not as an insult, but just, like... The amount of things that are going on in this movie and like (laughs) the amount of different sections of the movie there are. Uh huh. Like re watching it for the first time in a while last night, I kept being like, oh, we haven't even gotten to this. Like, there's like you're 50 minutes in before the movie really starts. Yeah. And then, like, in the last 30 minutes, it's like this whole other movie. And then, even in like the last eight minutes, it's this whole other movie. (laughs) So. I think looking at it on paper, there's a lot of stuff that maybe wouldn't work. But, like, I think because of Taika's directing, it really all comes together cohesively. In my opinion, Emmett, Flop or Bob?
0: That's a bop for me, for sure. It is start to finish entertaining, exciting, very... I think it's very fun and funny. Like, and I think there's clever jokes, and then there's also just some classic good old slapstick as well. <laughs> but I, one of my favorites is when Thor throws the ball at the window and it comes back and just <laughs> just lays him right out. That's hilarious. It's objectively funny every time you watch it. Yep. It's kind of uh, like what we do in The
1: Shadows, I reminded of, where there's a lot of different types of humor. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've always got several layers working. One thing I noticed on this watch was there's different ratios like... On the TV that I was watching it, it would go from widescreen to full screen, depending on the shot sometimes. And that was, like, very strange. But I'm not sure if that is a, like, if that's a technical problem with my TV, if that is a thing that was happening with the movie, or what exactly. That happened to me, too, which I didn't
1: actually intend to pick this version. But that's because Disney Plus has added the IMAX versions... Of all of the Marvel movies, on. Okay. So this is, I think, this is something we were talking about with Dune, where like they shoot these movies in IMAX and they never release them. Oh. Well, Disney Plus now has both of the versions. Uh huh. And this was a movie where it's just like, yeah, like random shots are in IMAX. Not even like the Valkyrie scene flashback. I noticed was all the way in it. Yeah. But other than that, it's mostly just like random shots. Huh. So on Disney Plus, I think if you don't pick specifically, you want the widescreen version, it will uh, show you the IMAX version where it cuts interesting. to interesting those little clips throughout.
0: Cool. Interesting. There's like something, something fun fact, cool, fun fact about it. Because um, I was like, wow, this seems like something's different. And it took me a couple of times of it shifting for me to figure out what it was. Wait, what are the very brief stats on this film?
1: Okay, I will do these <laughs> as briefly as possible. This movie, Thor Ragnarok, directed by Taika Waititi, it is the fifth movie directed by Taika Waititi, and the first he directed that he did not write. It is also, as we mentioned, the third Thor movie, following 2011's Thor, directed by Kenneth Branagh, and 2013's Thor The Dark World, directed by Alan Taylor. It is the fifth of 11 films in Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the 17th overall in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of which there are currently 32. This film was written, first draft, written by Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost. Together, Kyle produced the last two Thor movies. Yost wrote The Dark World, the last one. And the second draft of the movie was written by Eric Pearson, who came on board with Taika. He goes on to write, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Black Widow, both of which came out last year. Although, Taika has claimed that 80% of the dialogue heard in the final film was improvised on the set and not written in the script.
0: Wow. How much do we believe that? (laughs) 80%? (laughs) That's the entire movie! (laughs) By that, does he mean 100% of everything that he and Jeff Goldblum said... (laughs) 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 okay be honest do you guys think that jeff goldblum knew he was filming
1: a movie (laughs) i think they just threw him in a fun costume and put him
2: on
0: set and said be free yeah i think this i think they they caught all of this in between him filming that show where he like just talks about things and this is what he was wearing in his green room and they just caught him in there
1: yeah i don't know i mean having seen this movie 80% is a shocking amount, but I do believe that, like, most of this movie was improvised. I think there are different levels. Like, I listened to an interview with Taika, and and one, he was talking about, like, the whole get help scene. Uh Uh-huh. He said that was something that, like, Chris came up with, Chris Hemsworth came up with, and, like, came to set. Uh, And that morning, uh, he was like, hey, I have an idea for this scene, and then they, like, worked it out and sort of filmed it. That's...
2: I love that scene. Yeah. That scene is great. I, I heard that he came up with that one too.
1: So that's like one style of improvisation that is not like they just turn on the cameras and right. he and, comes uh, up with it.
2: I don't know what they count as improv, but there's also the uh, he's a friend from work scene, which mm-hmm. they got from, I think, a, a Make-A-Wish kid that Chris Hemsworth was working with, which is really cool.
1: Uh huh. That is really cool. I hope they financially compensated that Make-A-Wish kid for <laughs> coming up with the trailer line of the movie. <laughs> but there was just like randomly improvised stuff. Like I, uh, Tyga said the snake monologue that Chris Hemsworth does oh. when he talks about their childhood. He said they just like basically turned on the camera and had him like improvise different stories for like half an hour, and that was That's the one funny. they thought was. There's the funniest. so
2: many scenes I love in this movie. <laughs>
1: We were eight at the time. <laughs> um, the most direct comic inspiration for this is Planet Hulk, which was written in 2006 by Greg Pack. The music is by Mark Mothersby of the band Devo. His other composing works include the video game Crash Bandicoot and last year's The Mitchells vs. The Machines. It runs... Two hours and ten minutes, the longest take a movie so far by half an hour. It was released November 3rd, 2017 by Marvel Studios. Had a budget of $180 million. It made $850 million at the box office. Ooh. Making wow. it the highest grossing Thor film, the ninth highest grossing film of 2017, and the 13th highest grossing film in the mcu
0: so like in the upper half of mcu movies yes Mm -hmm.
1: yes and it was well received at the time emmett will you please break down the plot of thor ragnarok i
0: i will do that thing (laughs) but first i want to read you i'm just gonna have a little callback here from a previous series that we have had on these are rules to successfully survive the last chapter of a movie trilogy You've got a killer who's going to be superhuman. Stabbing him won't work. Shooting him won't work. Basically, in the third one, you've got to cryogenically freeze his head, decapitate him, or blow him up. Anyone, including the main character, can die. The past will come back to bite you in the ass. Whatever you think you know about the past, forget it. The past is not at rest. Any sins you think were committed in the past are about to break out and destroy you. Also, never be alone is a fourth rule that was apparently not filmed in that movie. What? But I think especially that is it is telling about like the secret sister that they never knew they had, um, uh, who comes back and like the mural under the mural and all of that. So I think Wes Craven was onto something. Cinema Bumps, Piping Hot Takes, Wes Craven onto <laughs> something. Good actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess there is I guess there's a little bit of scream
1: three in this. Yeah. I feel like it's better done here, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's
0: a, it also reminds me of Return of the Jedi in some ways. I mean, just going to find out that you had, like, there's another sibling that you didn't know about who could be as powerful as the... But basically, what happens in this movie is that Thor goes back home to deal with a little family business after the events of Age of Ultron, I believe. Or Thor Dark World, Both one or both yeah, of those movies. Yeah, this,
1: this movie takes place two years after Age of Ultron. There are these very funny little shorts that Taika also directed, we should mention, that are on Disney Plus called Team Daryl, which is like completely in the style of what we do in the shadows. And those take place before this movie during Civil War, where Thor is living in Australia with like a random IT worker roommate named Daryl. <laughs> And he's just waiting the whole time to be contacted by either Captain America or Iron Man to come and help them.
0: That's funny. (laughs) no one ever does. Does nobody ever get Thor in on Civil War? He's supposed to be off-world.
1: Yeah, I think they do in Civil War. They say that he's off-world at the time.
2: Yeah, he's at this time after Age of Ultron, he's trying to find all the Infinity Stones.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, he does say that at the beginning of this movie, that he was trying and Because he got
2: do. that, like, vision when he went in that hot tub that one time
1: Yeah, he sees a vision of <laughs> Ragnarok Oh Although not at all, like, what is depicted in this movie, but they call it Ragnarok Interesting And then he gets, like, possessed with a, a mission to figure out what's going on with the Infinity Stones which is displayed prominently on a whiteboard behind him in those Team Daryl shorts. That's he's trying funny.
0: to figure it out. That's hilarious. So, Thor has returned home to deal with some family issues. His brother has usurped the throne from their father. In short order, Loki and he return to Midgard, or as we would call it, Earth, to discover that their father is actually about to fade into the ether and do whatever gods do when they die. He leaves them. When he dies, it frees their long lost sister, Hella, um, played by the impeccable Kate Blanchett, with some whack ass antlers. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like him? I'm saying she looks cooler and more badass with the hair than with the antlers.
2: Understandable.
0: I like him. I like
1: both looks.
2: But then again, it inspired that great Loki crown that we all love.
1: Oh, With the two giant horns. Oh yeah, yeah that's true. That is pretty sweet. So this is a major change from the comics. Because in the comics, Hela is Loki's
0: daughter. Oh. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. She comes back, and she is there to basically make Asgard great again. <laughs> and she decides, she decides she's going to wage war on... The material plane i guess or on anyone who doesn't bow to her and accepts that they're going to to try and like conquer the nine realms or something it's not really totally clear what she wants but that's okay because she basically banishes thor or thor gets banished trying to stop her he and loki get zipped to different parts of the universe he crash lands in the trash world from blade runner 2049 And gets picked up by a team of more interestingly costumed Jawas who are going to eat him (laughs) until Tessa M.F. Thompson shows up (laughs) drunk to kill everybody and turn him into a battle slave for none other than Jeff Goldblum in the best costume anyone has ever worn on film, playing
1: himself... When Tessa shows up as Valkyrie, I feel like this is something we don't talk about. She really does kill everyone. She murders, like, 50 people immediately. In, <laughs> in cold blood. The first scene you see her. <laughs> Including our friend who's been in all the other movies. He's the lead scrapper, Cohen Holloway.
0: Oh, really?
1: He's the one who takes off his mask and says, like, are you friend or food
0: or whatever it is. Oh, that's fun. He was in too much makeup to be recognized. <laughs>
2: I feel like every scene that Tessa Thompson is in she's just killing everybody.
0: <laughs> uh she's killing Thor's heart in this movie. Everything between them is so incredibly hot. I cannot handle it. I like the way he acts when he's around her is it's amazing. He his it, it he's doing such good work in this movie as, like <laughs> the disguise scene <laughs> he's like what's that? It's my disguise. There are so many
1: merits that this movie has that so many people put so much hard work into. But, like, my overall feeling is that every single cast member in this movie looks hotter in this movie than anyone does in any other movie ever made. (laughs) For real. The cast and the costumes they're in and the attitude and the way Taika so lovingly photographs everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It is, like, a harder battle for MVP than any other movie I think we've ever had.
0: That's that's absolutely true. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. I mean, we haven't even discussed or mentioned that earlier in this movie, Doctor Strange shows up for ten minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was just leaving that out because he doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, he is there. He's doing that. Don't forget, we also got Matt Damon showing up.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Sam Neill from Hunt from the Wilder People. Wait, who's he playing? He plays in the, Odin. In oh, play. he plays
0: other... Uh, that's incredible. Just wild work. Wild. So, uh, Thor's made into a battle slave. He has to fight the champion. He's made into a battle prisoner with jaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Jeff Goldblum would say yes and he has to fight the he has to fight the champion and this is truly the most hype moment in like any movie ever <laughs> when the hulk bursts out bigger and gnarlier than you've ever seen him and thor is excited to see him because he's too dumb to realize that this is not friendly hulk when he's about to have his ass whooped it's incredible and the moment where he like calls lightning in that battle is uh pretty well, sweet yeah. Even if it is, like, tipping the hand a little bit to what is going to happen at the very end, it is still, like, just a a sick moment. He basically comes to a stalemate with the Hulk, which will be discussed by both of them at great length later, who really won that fight. Wakes up in Hulk's penthouse apartment, sees Hulk in all of his natural glory.
1: (laughs) The only nudity in any of the MCU is the Hulk's, <laughs> the Hulk's
2: buns and <laughs> Thor You could say Hulk's cinema bums.
0: Yeah, for real. <laughs> and then he is trying to convince Hulk to become back into Bruce Banner so that they can leave together. So, and trying to convince Valkyrie. Is her name Valkyrie or is she a Valkyrie? They call her Scrapper something. Scrapper 142. That doesn't seem like a name.
1: Her name is Valkyrie, but she also was a member of the Valkyries. I think Valkyrie confusing. has a
2: different, like, plural, and that's what the group was, and she's just called Valkyrie.
1: It seems like that was a long, long time ago, if their yeah. final battle was fighting Hela. Oh, yeah. Which was, like, presumably before Thor was born, like, 6,000 years ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I would guess maybe she, since she has just been the only surviving Valkyrie for that long.
0: Right. You would just be. That's what that's, she's called that. That's what she is.
1: That's my attempt to wrangle that into making sense. no
0: sense. Anyway, he's trying to convince her to come with him because, of course, he knows his home world is in trouble. So in between all this, we cut back and forth. Between this and Asgard, where things go steadily from bad to even worse, there's a daring escape. Of course, they end up bringing Valk- they end up convincing Valkyrie to come along. They liberate all of the other battle prisoners with jobs. Tyke by character leads a revolution as Korg, the lovable rock monster. <laughs> they they all like take off on a spaceship. Show up. Back at the golden rainbow, like rainbow road, and have an ultimate showdown. My okay, so I love Led Zeppelin, and I love that that the song, that immigrant song, is like the song for this. Mm-hmm. But you do wonder, could they not get the rights to Thunderstruck? I will
2: say, if you look at the lyrics of the immigrant song, mm-hmm. it lines up better with this movie than Thunderstruck would.
0: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it is more about like Norse mythology, I guess, because Led Zeppelin were huge geeks. The hammer of the
1: gods will drive our ships to new land.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess you, I guess you're right. You're right. And there also is,
1: I think Taika, especially from his like Aboriginal background, is talking a lot about like immigration and refugees true, and stuff true. throughout this movie.
2: And that's true. There's the whole. End of the movie, yeah, where they become immigrants.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: I think it fits really well. How do we feel about it being used twice about them opening the movie with it, a little sneak of it, and then it dropping at the end?
0: I think it works. I think it's, I think it makes it more hype when it comes on at the end because it's like, yeah, we gave it to you a little bit at the beginning, now we're like gonna give it to you for real. Mm -hmm. And that whole bridge sequence is so cool. It's oh, like the, it's the best, I think it's the best yeah. climax sequence of any movie in the MCU, maybe. Because it's just like, it's so concise. It's, and it's like such good, cool fighting from everybody. Everybody's doing a slightly different style. Mm-hmm. You've got like multiple layers of reveals of like who's fighting and like, yeah, but it all happens snappily enough that like the tension remains, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. Uh, And then they have to ultimately bring down Ragnarok themselves by restoring the giant devil god to his rightful place. And he, like, destroys Asgard and Hela. And then the Asgardians, like, realize, oh, Asgard isn't a place, it's a people. We're going to survive this um, by getting on this ship. Also with all the revolutionaries from from the trash planet and um, we're going to go on to a better life. And it has a very hopeful ending until you watch the post credit sequence, at which point Thanos' ship just shows up, and they're like, uh, well, I guess it didn't go as planned. When you confront the literal god of death uh, in his spaceship, I guess it becomes a little difficult. Yeah.
2: Ah, uh, but Hellas is the goddess of death. So... That's
0: true. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you always wonder about, like, what tradition is Thanos coming out of? He doesn't have anybody to back him up. I mean, like, you know, like if it's if we had some Norse gods, some Egyptian gods, some like some Greek gods, or something like that, you're like, okay, yeah, we we like, you've you got people who believe in you, who believed in Thanos, who made Thanos a god. What what's all that about? Well, in the comics, this kind of ties back to
1: everything because Thanos's original introduction in the comics is that he's dating Lady Death who is not in the MCU, but is kind of, takes on some of the qualities. Hela is, like, oh. given many of the qualities that the character Lady Death has in the comics, hmm. who is basically Death personified. She's, like, a skeleton lady. Ooh. And in the comics, when Thanos is first introduced, he gets all of the Infinity Stones as, like, a tribute to her. Ooh. Who he's dating. So there was much much speculation at the time this movie came out, That Hela had survived and she was going to play that Lady Death role and be, like, involved with Thanos in the next movie. But that ended up being more of an environmental backstory they gave Thanos instead.
0: That's what happens in this movie. But that doesn't barely begin to scratch the surface of why it's (laughs) awesome. So what do we love about this movie? Kind of like you said, it
2: ties into the other movies really well. But at the same time, distinctively has its own plot, and it is its own movie. There's just, like, so many funny scenes <laughs> that you can't, like, describe them all. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's moments where it's, like, super serious, and you can buy into that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. They They pull off the balance really well between the serious and the funny, and it doesn't feel like... Sometimes it feels like they're forcing the whole first half to be hilarious and then the second half just gets really dark in a lot of those like action comedy movies, you know? But I feel like they kind of keep it light all the way through.
1: I at least don't think that it feels like the stakes are undercut or that hmm. the emotional moments are undercut. Although there are far less of them in this movie than maybe your regular superhero movie. I think it's a testament to how successful the movie is that you kind of want more of everyone when it ends. Mhm. At least I did. Like I was like I wish there was more of uh Jeff Goldblum and more of Banner and more of Valkyrie and more of Hela. Like mm-hmm. they all do so good in their little parts that you just want to see more of it.
2: Yeah. They all basically have those like funny and serious moments too. Mm-hmm. Well, except for Jeff Goldblum, he's never serious. But
1: I don't know. It feels like everyone is in the same movie, which I feel like it so rarely feels like in a superhero movie or a funny movie. And it feels like in both of these.
0: Yeah. And it has a a coherent style that it sticks to throughout that I feel like is enough different from the MCU to keep it fresh, but is not so far outside of it as to feel to make the other movies around it feel weird either. Mm -hmm. What is the cultural context behind this film? What should we, what do we need to know to know about this movie? The fact that this movie came out in what, 20. November 2017. November
1: 2017. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, this movie is definitely like the movie that follows it in the Taika series. A lot of the serious part of this movie is about like the horrors of a kind of nationalistic grab for power by somebody who has no like, real connection to the people they're claiming to represent.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's there in Hela a lot, in that she is kind of trying to restore, like, a previous version Mm -hmm. of her country. Yeah. That was, like, much better for her, but not necessarily for everyone else, who we see sort of running in terror from it. Yeah. Even in the fact that in one scene she just says, Sad! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I thought... But I think the flip side of it is true as well because I saw Taika saying that, you know, at the time it was really important to him to make a movie that was fun and would make people feel good. Yeah. Um, and he talked a lot about Civil War being, like, a serious movie all with humans. And he was like, this is the movie with the gods and the aliens in space. Yeah. So it should we can, like, make it a light, fun movie for everyone to enjoy.
2: Yeah. It also came out. The same year as Wonder Woman did, mm-hmm. which is kind of the similar thing where it takes place during the World Wars, and it's like kind of a serious movie, mm-hmm. but it's still like fun. Hmm.
1: With one of the other Chrises, Chris Pine. <laughs> the Hollywood Chrises. I think that Chris Pine is my favorite, but watching this, oh. I was like, I don't know. Chris Hemsworth is way better than he gets credit for, I think. Chris Evans is my
2: favorite, so well,
1: he's also great.
2: We're divided.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: the the forgetful one too. Chris Pratt did Guardians two this this oh, year yeah. too. Uh
1: huh. Oh uh-huh. wow.
0: No, that's probably who I ha- who I'd have to go with.
1: Well, Pratt was funny to begin with, and the others have sort of
0: yeah become funny.
1: A big part of this too, I think, that people forget about is that Chris Hemsworth is in Ghostbusters twenty sixteen which is also, like, a totally improvised comedy. Hmm. And there was, like, a strong response to him in that, which is, like, the first time he ever really got to do that kind of, like, goofy comedy. And I think that led
0: into this in a big way. Wait, what are these... What's some of the other behind-the-scenes drama on this? Uh, Uh,
1: Stuff that we haven't already talked about. Okay, so the biggest change... In the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of this is on the deleted scenes. There's a lot of deleted scenes on the mm-hmm. DVD and Disney+. Plus. The whole Odin scene, where they go and visit him, and he basically explains what happens, mm-hmm. and he tells them about Hella and he passes away, and then Hella comes and smashes the hammer. Mm-hmm. All of that originally took place on, like, a back alley in New York. Oh, whoa. And it was that Odin had been, like, a homeless man since the nursing home he lived in had been destroyed. Whoa. As we see in the, still in the movie. And he was sort of like Fisher King style, like wandering the streets of New York as like a sad prophet. And all of that stuff happened there. So that's as it was filmed. I am not sure if they re shot it or just CGI them into Norway hmm. because some shots in that, like specifically, the three of them, sort of from behind, standing over the ocean, yeah, does look a little green screeny, but I don't know if they reshot it with him in the outfit he's wearing, or if it's just like literally they took his head and like put it on a different body, or
0: huh, what
1: all went into that, but that was the original tent, and they thought that it was like a little bit too irreverent to make that moment work, mm. and that it was kind of maybe put more of a burden on Loki. Like, that he had banished Odin, and he had just been, like, homeless. Uh huh. Rather than, like, living in, living peacefully in self-proclaimed exile in right. Norway. Norway.
0: Yeah. Interesting. It is now time, then, for the House Report. How do we feel about her in this as the uh, Grandmaster's Majordomo?
1: Yeah, whose name is Topaz. <laughs> Rachel House playing Topaz.
2: Wait, are you talking about the... The lady with the Death stick, yes, yes.
1: <laughs> the melt stick
0: she 's been in every single one of uh taika 's films, except for what we do in the shadows, so we're tracking her, her <laughs> oh, progress, okay, yeah. um I mean, <laughs> I thought she did good in
2: her role, I guess, I love how <laughs> they're just like completely conflicting roles, like a hundred percently different. <laughs> In every possible way. She's always like talking about the slaves and killing people. And he's like, oh, just chill
1: out. The whole movie. It's hilarious. I love when I forget what insult she says at the beginning. Oh, he's trying to get her to say the best. Uh And then she just says an insult again. And and he's like, were you just waiting to say that? Were you not even (laughs) listening to what I was saying?
0: That was definitely improvised. All of the times he shows up in, like, in, like, giant blue him has got to be improvised. <laughs> Some of the
1: faces that Rachel House makes in the spaceship fight are so funny.
2: <laughs> oh, I forgot about that whole scene. <laughs> when she's, like, about to crash into the thing, she's like... <laughs> she's just got a completely weird face.
1: Yeah, she's so funny. It's a little bit like her role in Hunt for the Wilder People, but like, turned up, because she's not sort of the main antagonist, it can be even more off the wall.
0: Yeah. What's the funniest joke in here for your bunny? Oh, man. I don't know if it's the funniest,
2: but one of my favorites is when they go to Doctor Strange's and Loki just disappears. And then you just don't see him for the rest of the time. (laughs) And uh, then um, you get to the end and you have that whole scene of Thor like calling his hammer and smashing everything. And then he drops in and he goes, I've been falling 30 minutes. (laughs) And I really love that scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I want to talk about the Doctor Strange scene just for a minute. Okay. Because I think that it's really good... I kind of like that it's just, like, randomly there.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like, I feel like that's maybe more what it would be like in reality with a big web of superheroes. That's kind of how it is for the comics. Right. They it's just kind of like,
2: like it is in No Way Home.
1: Yeah. But he's even more of a supporting part in No Way Home. I feel like normally, like, if there is another superhero, they're sort of, like, along for the whole journey. Mm -hmm. And I like that sort of, like, if you're in New York and you have a magic problem, you would just go see Doctor Strange. (laughs) But anyway, I think he's really good and, like, I don't know. I think there's just, like, an energy to him in that scene that I feel like we've missed a little bit since his first few appearances. Mm. Like, there's, like, a sort of mysterious danger. I love that he just keeps popping up everywhere, and he's just, like, kind of existing on a whole different plane Mm -hmm. than even even Thor.
0: Well, I feel like this movie emphasizes how wildly overpowered he is because he's like playing tricks with two actual gods Mm -hmm. and his movie emphasizes how wildly overpowered he is. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert for infinity war, the only option for him for the, for end like for end game so that he doesn't just kill Thanos himself is to have him get evaporated in infinity war because otherwise he's like the most overpowered. Yeah. I don't understand how you fight with him and lose, you know, like how you fight with him on your side and lose ever.
2: Right. Pretty wild. He's like on a completely different level than everybody. And then like, like even in all of the scenes that he's in, the only way he gets like, knocked out is because either like thanos had the other infinity stones mm-hmm. or he just like saw that he had to give it up because like there's no way i think he would have lost if he used the time stone against thanos in infinity war
1: hmm yeah i think it's a little less egregious than what they do with captain marvel in end game mm-hmm. who is also overpowered
0: where they're like she's busy She's somewhere else. What could she possibly be doing that is more important than saving the entire universe? <laughs> uh, like, she can't come to the phone right now until you need her for one scene. Then she'll be here. She can't come to the phone right now. She's making that movie about unicorns. Although at the same time, the whole reason that he got uh,
2: held up in an Endgame was that some water was about to flood the battlefield and he
0: had to hold it in place.
1: Oh, yeah, they do that.
0: Oh, they do that. Okay, they do that with Charles Xavier, the X-Men, though, too. I mean, this is just like this classic move where you've got a character who so clearly is, like, worlds more powerful. And instead of, like, finding some way for the villain to be more powerful in some specific way, they just are having to hold something with their brain powers and so they're distracted Uh they do the same thing with quicksilver where he's just like the most op
2: character ever but anytime there's like a big fight they're like oh he's gotta go (laughs) because it would be over in like half a second
1: oh wait isn't it apocalypse where he breaks his foot (laughs) or something and then he can't come to the (laughs)
2: Yeah. oh yeah. oh I think he's like running on the ground or something and he's like beating apocalypse up but he like tracks his touching the ground or something.
1: I think I'm thinking of Dark Phoenix is the one where oh. he gets injured in the battle at the beginning and then oh, can't yeah. be in the rest of the movie yeah. on crushes. even though
0: he's
2: supposed to like have super fast healing but the yeah. other thing have you guys seen um how it should have ended YouTube channel? I've seen some of them. them. Have you seen the one for Endgame? No. Mm -mm. In one of them, there's this scene where it's like they have the whole thing where like everyone comes out of the portals for the end fight scene. It's like they're about to go at each other. And then uh, out of nowhere, you just hear and Wong walks out and then he just goes (laughs) he sling rings and then Thanos just falls in and then he cuts it off and cuts his head off and then he just puts his entire army in the mirror dimension and goes long <laughs> and then he just beats the entire thing and it's hilarious
1: wow yeah there are questions like that that are very <laughs> much opened up but this movie is kind of like everyone's op in this movie like you've got thor and the hulk and loki and they're going up against hella i
2: think they do a a better job of occupying everybody though whole cast to fight Fenris, the wolf mm-hmm. and then like heimdall and oh yeah heimdall <laughs>
1: we forgot that idris Elba is in this movie <laughs> yeah. we haven't even talked about that and With the uh, jesus haircut
2: <laughs> don't forget about scourge
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah he's
2: uh, in this Carl movie Ruben. too yeah um he's like Protecting everybody that's getting on the ship, and then you have Loki who has to go and like take care of Surtur and everything. Yeah. So everyone does it like a they do a better job of occupying everybody. I think.
0: Yeah, you're right. They have actual tasks to do as opposed to just holding things with their brain powers, and that does make it like more exciting.
1: The final act is so well crafted too. Oh yeah. When everyone comes in and what they all have to do.
2: Not to mention how it ties in the, the opening scene so well.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's sort of, that's what I mean when I say, like, this movie is weird. Like, the plotting in this movie is kind of insane. The amount of just, like, different things that are going on. But I think they just, they make it all work.
0: Yeah. Wait, did you have a favorite joke, or did we did you already tell yours? I, I have one that I want to mention.
2: I just thought of another one. I don't want to take anybody's joke.
1: No, go for it. But
2: when I talked about the opening scene, when he's spinning on that thing, mm-hmm. and then um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, this is also one of my favorite jokes. I know the joke you're talking about. Yeah, that this joke. This a joke that we maybe can't see on the air, but the Surtur, son of... <laughs> That is the moment that, like, sets the movie. That's, like, when you know what is going to happen in this movie. Yeah, from then on. And then he
2: just, like, interrupts his huge, like, dooming monologue for, like, oh, hold on,
0: he's spinning around. (laughs) Now, is this before or after the Poe Dameron Kylo Ren moment of Who Talks First? Because it has that same energy, but I feel like it pulls it off better because also the rest of the movie matches the tone. This is after that. Okay. Yeah. It,
2: I, I agree. It does, like, it follows up the movie better. The, yeah. I think The Last Jedi actually came out this year, which yeah. was the uh, yeah. the Black Sheep of the Star Wars, but
0: uh, we don't need to talk about that. I feel like Rise of Skywalker is certainly, <laughs> certainly that, but... We don't need to. We don't need to get into that here. <laughs> we don't need to talk about any of the sequels, actually.
1: What was your joke, Emmett, that you wanted oh, to share?
0: No. My joke is when Thor gets a spaceship. At some point, he hops in a spaceship and he's like, "Yeah, it's just another spaceship," and then flies off in it, like he would know the controls which i just think is a a hilarious meta comment on the amount of times that people in this movie in this series of movies in all the star wars movies just hop into some new random spacecraft that they have never flown before and are instantly able to do like all sorts of crazy aerial maneuvers that it would take any normal person you know a lifetime to master on a single on a single type of craft let alone be versatile enough in like dozens and dozens of different makes and models. I mean, when you think about how difficult it is to drive a car that you haven't driven before and you like, don't know how far you can back up anymore. Think about that. But in the spaceship going 500 miles an hour. Are you talking about when he's like,
2: he like sits Mark Ruffalo down and he's like, here, use one of your PhDs for it (laughs) (laughs) for flying.
0: That part's good too, but it's some earlier moment where he hops in and he's just like, yeah, it's just another spaceship. It seemed very tyka to me. There's
2: In Thor the Dark World, when they're trying to like escape off Asgard, uh-huh. they steal one of the Dark Elf ships.
0: Oh, uh-huh.
2: But they don't know how to fly it, and they're like, oh, it's just another spaceship, how hard can it be? But then mm-hmm. they end up like crashing into everything.
0: Oh. So, so maybe it's a callback to that, too. That's fun. Maybe.
1: A couple here that I wrote down. I love when... Thor is going into the Grandmaster's plaza for the first time, and they play the Willy Wonka music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: That is good.
1: Um, pretty much, I love everything the Grandmaster does. I love when they hit the button on the ship, and he starts singing, it's my birthday. <laughs> um, I love when he says, you're officially pardoned from life. <laughs>
0: I love the uh, what we do in the Shadows reference in here, where Korg says he's got a wooden fork, and he's like, yeah, it's not much use, unless you want to call- kill three vampires all at once. <laughs> They're really close together.
1: <laughs> well, that obviously was like just a little joke at the time, but now there are vampires in the MCU, because we're getting Blade. Oh, we, get, so we got Orbius
2: already, didn't we?
1: Well, that's not in the MCU. Oh, is it not? True. Well, we don't know.
0: It hasn't come out yet, but... I'm just telling you now, I'm never going to watch that movie, so we need never to any series that has to do with that. Okay.
1: I certainly don't ever want to watch that movie, too. I've had to watch that trailer, like, 80,000 times, because the movie keeps getting delayed. (laughs) And they keep showing the trailer in front of more and more movies.
0: I have jokes about that movie and that trailer that I will not make on air, but I will tell you sometime. Speaking of, I think the most,
1: probably the most explicit joke that they let into, well, the Jackson Pollock line in Guardians is probably the worst joke allowed in an MCU movie, but I feel like Gorg's saying, the hammer pulled you off. (laughs) Uh, Not even that. They talk about
2: uh, what his ship is designed for. Yeah, that is true.
1: (laughs) That too. One more joke I love. I loved when Hulk comes in and it says, Welcome, strongest Avenger and Thor goes, Uh what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh also Thor like screaming before he's about to get his hair
1: cut by mm-hmm. Stanley.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, that's
1: fine. How do you feel about I I just wanna ask about Thor's arc in this movie. Uh okay. I thought it was interesting. That three times throughout the movie, he starts to say, that's what heroes do. And then every single time he gets, like, interrupted or taken down or something. Hmm. Very similar to the Falcon and Empire, that every time they jump to hyperspace, it doesn't work. Except in that movie, of course, it eventually does at the end. And in this movie, there never is, like, a final time where he says it. But he seems a very different person by the end, don't you think?
0: Definitely. I don't really remember how this plays out in the future ones but i feel like this is about him overcoming the the insecurity that comes along with having realized that there's a bunch of other heroes out there and this is like the first big one where he's returning home for an extended period of time maybe i don't know especially because he loses the hammer as like that kind of being that metaphor made concrete but i'm not sure what it means Like, the power was within himself. Okay, but I don't know what it means for him character-wise. I think it calls back well to the
2: first movie, where he's, like, just that, like, arrogant prince who, Mm -hmm. like, is, like, ready to take the throne even though he's really not type thing. But now he loses this hammer. It's the first time where he really gets, like, beat up, you know? And then after getting to Asgard, and, like, his whole planet destroyed, he realizes, like, his responsibility and his, like, role as the king of Asgard-type thing. Mm. Which, in turn, like, kind of is the same thing as, like, realizing his power. Mm. But, at the same time, it also doesn't set him up well for the following movie, where he comes in at the end, but then, like, after that, he, like, breaks down because of
1: yeah, the the next movie after this, Infinity War, really does carry on a lot of it. But yeah, I agree. I think it's like the guy you meet at the beginning of the very first Thor is someone who has like been given everything his whole life. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, you just watch him like lose everything and figure out who he is without it. Like By the end of this movie, he's lost both of his parents. He's lost his hammer. He's lost actual Asgard.
2: Mm-hmm. He's lost. Not that he cared about her at all, but his sister, mm-hmm. and then also not that we get to see it till Infinity War, but like almost his entire
0: people. Yeah, yeah, and more importantly than all of that, his hair. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> that that's another- But, I mean, that's but yeah, I, that's I, another identity kind
0: of a joke, thing. But it is a big identity thing. It's huge for him, like the long, golden, flowing hair, and obviously like the Samson Delilah like imagery. There is is strong as well. And so I think that's like all pretty interesting. The fact that it just makes him hotter and more badass is of course, Taika being wonderful, but yeah. Yeah.
1: And in the very first scene of the movie, he says, I make grave mistakes all the time. Everything seems to work out. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that is his, that has maybe been his philosophy so far. And it is like, A more calculated philosophy by the end of the movie.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus, we also get him losing his eye. Oh, um, yeah. Which is another Mm -hmm. thing, and it also kind of sets him up. He looks more like Odin with his eye patch, Mm -hmm. who was the previous king.
1: Lost my one good eye. The only complaint that I hear some MCU fans say about this movie is that it's pretty dismissive of the other two movies, which I think is okay because... they're not the best <laughs> <laughs> but like the fact that they kill the warriors three like immediately mm. without them even getting any lines that jane has just broken up with thor like off screen and none of the human cast of the first two movies are even in this true that is kind of repeated then in infinity war where like he's still funny but like they give him another eye immediately and They give him another hammer-esque thing by the end, Mm -hmm. which I think is down to, like, since these shoots so simultaneously, like, maybe the script writers or directors not always knowing what they're going for with every other project. Right.
2: That's that's another thing he lost was Jane. Mm -hmm. And that's a callback in Endgame when he, like, is trying to give his speech about the Reality Stone. (laughs) And then he talks about losing Jane. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love that Loki is so worried about going back to Earth, but like, he was there on the streets of New York, the city that he destroyed, and none of the Thor groupies seem to even notice him at all, so <laughs> yeah. I feel like he would be alright.
0: Yeah. Josh, who would be your MVP other than, the, other than the protagonist, meaning just Thor, I think, for this movie? Just Thor? Man,
2: that's really hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think I got to go with Mark Ruffalo. Mm. Mm. I I just love his character in this, both like as Thor and as Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. He's just like hilarious. He b- plays both parts so well, especially the whole scene where he's like crushing on Valkyrie is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> when he jumps off the ship and just like hits his body
1: and doesn't turn into the
2: Hulk. <laughs> See, yeah. He,
1: he just <laughs> ragdolls. So wild. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. He's so funny as as Banner. You're as both of them. You're right. But like the Banner scenes are so good. in this Yeah. Movie. Yeah.
2: When he's like also the the Tony's pants, and then him like being scared of Loki. <laughs> it's
1: well, yeah, just he goes hilarious. Up, he goes up to Loki. and He's like, the last time I saw you, you tried to kill everyone. What's going on with you now? (laughs) What's new with you? And then Loki just in a
2: dead stare. It varies from moment to moment.
1: (laughs) And I think it's back to, you know, Taika's love of the Incredible Hulk. That that the third Thor movie is adapting Planet Hulk rather than a Thor (laughs) storyline.
2: Yeah. An interesting fact, too, that I read. uh, Taika also did the motion capture for Surtur. And then also partly for Hulk when Bruce Banner, like, couldn't be there.
1: Oh, okay. Which is
2: pretty interesting. Along with Korg, obviously.
1: Part of it is a rights thing, too, because I think that as Paramount has the rights to make a Hulk movie. Or a movie that has Hulk in the name. Huh. Because The Incredible Hulk was made before, like, Marvel Studios was their own thing, which is at the start of The Avengers. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, he can be in the Avengers movies or in Thor, or they can do a She-Hulk TV show, but, like, they can't make a new Hulk movie
0: by themselves. so weird. Wade, who's your MVP?
1: It's really tough. There are some that I feel like we haven't even really talked enough about yet. But I think that my MVP of this movie is absolutely Tessa Thompson Uh, as Valkyrie. mm -hmm. She's so good. She adds so much to it. I love her as an actress, and I think that this is one of the first things I saw her in, if not the first thing I saw her in. But I think she is also, like Chris Hemsworth, really great at playing both the jokes and the emotion. Mm-hmm. And I love the arc that she goes on. I love the style of the little Valkyrie flashback we get, and that she is like wearing her hair down and wearing the Valkyrie uniform again at the end. Yeah, I think she's, like, such a good presence in this movie. It's interesting because in the comics, the, that character is canonically gay. Hmm. And there was, I believe, a scene filmed, but not in the final cut of this movie, where they talk about the woman that dies to save her was her wife in the flashback. Wow. wow. That's part of, like, her shame and her... Oh, wow. Survivor's guilt about being the one who lived through that battle. Wow. And, like, why she never went back to Asgard. Yeah. That does
2: make it even more tragic. I think she was supposed to be, like, her, like, captain and lover at the same time. Mm.
1: In the movie, it seems to be more of a anyone-could-get-it sort of approach, because, like, she does have intense chemistry with Thor and with Banner, and Mm -hmm. even with Loki in a little bit, so... That
2: scene where Loki like makes her remember, there's like some serious tension between them there. But also yeah. that scene is like super intense. Oh.
1: That's just like the thing that is so great and so rich and is done to full extent in this movie is that all of the characters have very specific relationships to every other character, uh, especially mm-hmm. in like this group of main ones. Like that's what yeah. makes it so fun, and they're like actually exploring all of those. So that's mine. Emmett, Who would your MVP?
0: Well, it's got to be Jeff Goldblum, then. Okay. It's just incredible. Like, the, I mean, the moment you see him, you're just like, you could spend the whole time watching him give a tour to Thor, like, and Thor be horrified and him be just what he, whatever it is he's doing. <laughs> I would watch another full length of this movie again of just that. Uh, and I don't think it would get boring. It's just hilarious. He is an interesting and good antagonist because like if part of what the like the thing of of Thor is like if part of his arc is going from entitled prince to understanding leader of the people, who is more out of touch and more privileged and more just weird and drunk off of all of it than that character, the Mm -hmm. grandmaster. That's also an interesting element of it. And then it's like funny he is the comic version of what hella is trying to do Mm -hmm. he is very silly and fun but his what he's actually what's going on in that world is horrifying as evidenced by his guard with the death stick the prisoners with jobs the prisoners with jobs cousin carlo cousin carlo yeah we never find out what that guy did incredible
1: a couple other performances I want yeah. to call out, because I feel like we haven't oh, talked about them. Oh, I
2: definitely want to them. mention one,
1: too. Okay, well, Tom Hiddleston is Loki, uh-huh. who I think we take for granted, but he's really good in this, too. I just love the Thor-Loki like relationship dynamic. That's mm. just one of my favorite relationships in anything. I think it's so good across all of these movies. And I love like their sort of tender, emotional stuff. I feel like Chris plays that really well. And I love all of his hype moments at the end. Mm. Like throwing the knives and ducking in between. And when Thor finally powers up and he's just so excited. Like he's so hyped up for his brother to come and kick everyone's ass. <laughs> is so good. Um, other ones, Carl Urban. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, you guys have some words to spare for Carl Urban and Scourge? He's got like his own mini
2: character arc. Mm-hmm. There's almost like as much character development in him as there are the other characters, because he starts off calling back to um one of the f- the fights in Dark World, and then like how he fought alongside Thor, and then uh, he's like working Heimdall's job, but he's like super <laughs> undercut type thing, and then he like gets picked up by Hela to like be his executioner or whatever her mm-hmm. executioner, but he, like, doesn't go through with it and ends up, like, helping his people, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, sacrifices himself.
0: I mean, I just, I've loved him ever since he was Aemir in Lord of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, one of my favorite characters in those movies. I think he's very fun.
1: And, uh, Kate Blanchett as Hella, Maybe a little underappreciated, but I think that she's totally, like, a big part of why this movie works, too.
0: Yeah, she sells it. Mm-hmm. She does it, and she also knows what movie she's in, and knows that she's the one who has to be a little bit more serious, but not too serious, or it'll all kind of, like, fall apart. And I think she plays it, like, right on that line.
2: Mm. Yeah, like that scene where she, like, comes in the very first moment after Odin dies, and she's, mm-hmm. like, super serious, and then Loki goes, Who are you?
1: And <laughs> did you not just hear anything I just said? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that just reminded me. I like the Odin death scene, I think, is mm-hmm. also done very well. And I like that Loki doesn't say anything throughout all of it, hmm. because he's sort of like the character who never shuts up mm-hmm. any other time.
0: Oh, Any final thoughts on actors? Final thoughts on the film itself? We didn't really talk about Corey at all.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> the director's uh-huh. character? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Who's like only comedy relief, but at the same time, he's like that character that everyone just loves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Korg and Topaz feel the most to me like characters from another of movie. Yeah. Like those feel like the characters that he just put into this already existing movie, basically.
0: But then Korg becomes a very big part of the rescue mission at the end too. Like it's their ship that shows up to pull everybody off. Yeah. Without him, they'd kind of all be screwed anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a part of that, like,
2: huge plan. But at the same time, they originally, like, (laughs) lost the revolution because they didn't print enough pamphlets or something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Taika, as an actor, got a little bit of an unfair reputation because people had only seen this movie. And I remember, like, when he was going to be in The Mandalorian, people were like, oh, he's going to be doing Korg. Like, everyone thought that the Korg voice was the only thing he he did. Uh oh, huh. But, like, this is the first time he's done anything like that in any of his acting stuff. Yeah. And he's very different in all the other stuff after, so... For sure.
0: Or any thoughts on, then, the upcoming, also Taika Waititi film, but also, also a Thor film, Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm really excited for that movie. I think Taika, again, is going to do a really good job, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be a rom com, right?
0: That's what it sounds like. Like
2: the MCU's first rom com.
1: We know that they're adapting a lot of like the arc from the comics where Jane Foster or becomes a cancer patient and then also becomes Thor. Yeah, like when she is powered up as Thor and has the hammer. Like she's fine, but then she's sick otherwise. And we also know that Christian Bale is playing Gore, the God Butcher.
2: Which is going to be insane,
1: and we know that um, Russell Crowe is playing Zeus, who is obviously whoa. a Greek god, not a Norse god. So uh-huh. something is going on there.
2: Interesting,
1: but it's most of the same cast. Like I think Goldblum is back again, and Valkyrie is back again.
2: Goldblum oh, is back. I'm That's pretty exciting. sure yeah. he survives because we we also get that end credit scene where he comes out. Doesn't he come out of like a porta potty or something? And he's sitting in front of all of the scrappers who, like, want to kill him?
1: Yeah. Oh, I guess Idris Elba is another one we didn't talk about a lot, but... Yeah. He's good in this. When's he ever bad? (laughs) True. My only major criticism with this, if I were to give one, is that I think there is sometimes a little bit of a lack of clarity, since there is so much going on. I think sometimes the movie doesn't do the best job showing us what we should be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. When, like, the finale starts and there's the Thor-Hella fight going on at the same time as, like, everything outside, uh that kind of feels so low stakes and, like, just tossed in at the beginning that I just assumed it was, like, a distraction. But then that's where he loses his eye. And then I was like, oh, I guess we are now in the final battle. And this was a big deal. Yeah. But some of the middle, I think feels a little bit like that too. When we're sort of cutting back between like her raising the skeleton army and then like the Hulk Thor fight. It's like, are these things of equal importance? You know?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And at the same time, there's like those scenes where you cut to Heimdall and he's like on the run with all of Asgard Mm -hmm. and they're like fighting for their lives. And then you, cut to Thor, like, joking around with Korg about (laughs) a bunch of different stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's like the Handel Lord of the Rings plot. And then we're back in the Thor Star Wars movie. Yeah. I really do love a lot of the production design of Sakaar. I love Mm. the ships. They're so cool. I love the weird looks of the rooms and the colors and everything. Yeah, Taika is signed on to direct a Star Wars movie. Hmm. in the future, uh, which happened after he directed the Mandalorian finale. Who knows if that will happen because of how the track record with Star Wars directors is going so far. But I think you like see a lot of the DNA of it in this.
0: Well, and I was going to say, that spaceship fight, as they're escaping, is the coolest spaceship fight that I have seen. I think it like outstrips anything from any of the... Uh, Certainly from any of the sequel Star Wars movies. I think it's the coolest thing. The only thing that I thought of that comes close is the opening, the hype as hell opening sequence of Revenge of the Sith, Mm. where they're like doing the huge intergalactic space battle. Yeah. I thought the fact that they upped the stakes with people being able to jump onto the spaceships, but still keeping the spaceships as not just like F-Zero platforms for them to to like duke it out on, but really are like all being used in a very smart actiony way. It was cool.
1: We have seen so far in Taika's movies, him sort of fluctuate between like an adult cast movie and then a child cast movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty much back and forth. We know that he has two adult movies coming out this year and Thor and Next Goal Wins. Yeah. But my guess is that his Star Wars movie could be with a child
0: cast. Oh, that would be cool.
1: That it could be about some young New Zealand boy in the Star Wars universe. That
0: would be awesome. Uh, I'm just stoked for Love and Thunder. I think it'll be fun. I'm stoked for whatever else of his comes out next. Can't. I really hope he does get to do his Star Wars movie. I think that would be so cool. But we might talk about that in just a second. Because it is now time for Bums the Word, the threequel, Return of the Bums. All of the movies are joined by the concept that they are the third movies in whatever franchise they're from. Okay. This hopefully should be a pretty easy one just because of the limited number of three there are in the <laughs> world. sadly, as much as Scream, may, Scream 3 may make fun of threequels, I think that they're a hell of a lot of fun. A great fan of threequels from my childhood, some of which are on this list. So let's get into it. The first one is a story about a recently separated couple going on a retreat to a privately owned island to try and reconnect with... With the this, child that they share. Is this Jurassic Park 3? It is, in fact, Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> starring other famous New Zealander, Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. As does As is this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this next film is a movie in a much loved love franchise. Starring some of our personal favorite actors on this podcast. It is about... The Evils Inherent in the Film Industry. Wait, is it Scream 3? It is Scream 3. Okay. This next film is about what happens when your best friend goes to college and leaves you in a box in a room. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. No, no, I don't quite have
0: it. <laughs> Could you tell me anything more? Yeah. It leaves you
1: a regular human, a regular-sized yes, yes, human leaves made you of flesh and blood, not A regular-sized
0: person, um, your best friend, grows up and goes away to school um, oh, and leaves you at home in a box. Are you sure it's not Toy Story? It is, in fact, Toy Story 3. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> this next movie pairs two incredible action heroes... As a father-son team discovering biblical secrets in the heart of the Middle East.
1: Oh, uh, is this Oh, Indiana, Indiana Jones?
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. It is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, okay, I think we got two for Josh, two for Wade right now. This next film is the third in a series about a renowned jewelry thief. It is also a famous Kiwi production, and the largest buyer of latex ears. Oceans? Wait, is this The Lord of the Rings? Oh! <laughs> the Return yes. of the King? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> the jewelry thief fart threw, me, threw me off. <laughs> this next film... This is a, the third film in a classic franchise about inventive uses for lawn tools in this film famously one might feel out of place with one's time
1: it's not Teenage Mutant ninja turtles three turtles in time it's not that okay (laughs) although
0: maybe we should do a, a, a deeper dive about why third movies often have to do with time travel this film features the cursed book the necronomicon um is this a horror movie this is a horror movie This is a horror movie from the same director as a movie from the, I hesitate to say the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the greater Marvel Cinematic, you know, metropolitan area. Is this Evil Dead 3? Yes, but that is not its name. Um, Army of Darkness? That is correct! Okay.
2: (laughs) I've never even heard of that movie.
1: I've never seen any of those, but I believe I knew that the Necronomicon is involved in
0: some way. This next movie on the list is about a father trying to reconnect with his uh, estranged son and daughter years after their mother has perished. It's also the story of a bunch of strange little tree people who overcome uh, (laughs) an invasion (laughs) by Nazis. This is Return of the Jedi. It is, in fact, Return of the Jedi. This next movie is the third in a famous Christmas movie franchise. Home Alone. It is not Home Alone 3. (laughs) Die Hard with a Vengeance? It is Die Hard (laughs) with a
1: Vengeance.
0: There's only so many (laughs) Christmas movie trilogies. Yeah. All right. This next film is another from a horror franchise. Oh, gosh. It is, I believe, written by a good friend of the pod, Wes Craven. It features the return of a character that everybody thought was oh. dead previously in the series. Hmm. Who is kind of the breakout star of the original film.
1: Huh. Oh, what is it? Is it a Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Mm-hmm. If can that's not remember, the title, I don't know what the title what is. the name
0: of that is? I certainly cannot. Dream Warriors. Okay. And finally, this one surprised me. I did not know this was a threequel. This film, it's a 1966 epic film on an epic scale, I should say. It's not like one of those biblical epics. Mm-hmm. It's an Italian movie, extremely famous on its own. And perhaps also famous for being part of a trilogy, although I did not realize that. The Godfather 3? It's not The Godfather 3. It features a, a director who we have covered on this pod as its starring role.
1: Wait. (laughs) A director of a movie we have covered on this pod?
0: A a director of a movie that we have covered on this pod in the starring role. But we didn't do the director as a whole miniseries. We did did not do the director as a whole miniseries. In 1966, is it a gangster movie? It is not a gangster movie, no. Is it a Western? It is a Western. Oh, okay. Is it a Clint Eastwood movie? It is a Clint Eastwood movie. Is it The Good, the
1: Bad, and the Ugly?
0: It is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which is okay. the, the third movie in the Man With No Name trilogy. I didn't realize that that was a trilogy or that that was the third movie. Nor did I. <laughs> so yeah, that concludes another round of Cinema Bums, the threequel, Return of the Bums. Thank you for listening. Josh, do you have any, any projects you're working on that you would like the people to know about? Or any places where the people can find your voice, your opinions, your views, should they decide to give you hell for them? After listening to this episode.
2: I do not. I would promote Caffeine Daydream. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Also, if you like lo-fi music, check out Playing For You by Jordan Comer.
0: And that's it. Well, thank you. We really loved having you on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Now... Alert. Wade, before I end the episode, before I do the final housekeeping, okay. this is an intervention. We have to talk about Boba for just oh, no. a second here. What, what's the we immediate to reactions to Boba. the finale? What happened? What's what's the news? Spoiler warnings for everyone. The rest of this podcast will just be about Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. If If you don't care about that, feel free to turn it off now. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I guess we haven't talked about it since it got good. So, I loved the two episodes leading up to the finale. Uh The two episodes of The Mandalorian, basically.
2: (laughs) Mandalorian season two and a half. Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like I was more mixed on the finale than most people. Mm. I liked it more than the first four episodes of the show. I was just sort of like, what was the point of the show
0: (laughs) at the end of it? Who was that guy with the hat? The cool Western space guy. Cad Bane? That's Cad Bane. Yeah, I don't know anything about any of the animated shows, oh.
2: so... Oh, you have to watch The Clone Wars.
0: Well, in <laughs> fact... <laughs> so good.
1: Yeah, he's from Clone Wars, and I think he's in Rebels and some of the others, too. He's very cool.
0: I thought that fight was very awesome. But yeah. I was also like, what's this guy doing here an episode and a half away from the end of this season?
1: And again, in the finale, like the whole season... They kind of don't do anything with Fennec. I think doing the thing <laughs> we're talking about where she's the most overpowered. Oh, yeah. And they're she like, just- <laughs> she's got to run across the map for the whole episode, so she can't help.
0: Yeah. She
1: really is. She, like,
2: goes over, helps the mods, kills all of their people, and then at the very end, you see her just kill everybody in that building when, like, she could have just done that the whole time with the whole
0: fight scene. Yeah. Yeah, could have saved that with saved them from those weird droid things. Also, I was like, okay, so I thought everything was pretty cool, but I was like, uh-huh. at, at what point do you stop firing shots at a droid that has a laser shield oh, up? Oh, yeah. Your lasers are obviously not piercing. Like, do they think that at some point it's just going to drop? It was a very. I, t- yeah. I did not understand what the what the logic on all that was. So for me, like all that was very confusing. And then like, oh, the Rancor can flip it upside down, and then its shield is out. But a Mandalorian on a Rancor. Also, that scene of Boba
2: and Mando flying out was just yeah. so cool.
0: That was the best part. That
1: was my favorite part. Of yeah, that. that was so great. I like the weird King Kong Rancor stuff too. But yeah. Yes, and also, like, shooting the shield, the Rancor has just helped them all, and then it cuts to, like, the whole crowd just shooting the Rancor.
2: Yeah!
1: <laughs> and that's like, why it gets all angry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that Kersanton just, like, gets, like, dogpiled somehow, even and though surprised. that he's, like, a Wookiee gladiator that's supposed to be, like, invincible, pretty much.
1: That was weird.
0: I have started to rate stuff like that and stuff like, like Spider-Man and just like other like action movie sequences. Like how would this look and work and feel if I was playing it as D and D and like that battle felt confusing. Like (laughs) the end of the, the, at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, it felt confusing, but fun and like awesome and hype. Mm-hmm. And the end of Thor, is just like, oh, this is everybody in their power, like in their element, just like smashing stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like interesting to see like the different levels and clarity of action. And like, is it confusing action that that furthers the plot and like furthers what you're trying to do? Or is it just confusing because it doesn't make sense? And I think it's a fine line between clever and stupid
1: in it. I don't want to rag on it too much because I do think, like, the whole end of the show is so much better than the beginning.
0: end oh, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, 100%.
1: But this whole show has been people telling Boba Fett, like, ruling is going to be hard. <laughs> You're not in a good position to do it. This is going to cause a lot of trouble. And he does it. And then at the end, the final scene is him and Fennec walking through town. And he's like, yeah, I really don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't
2: like being the ruler. (laughs) He finally gets everybody's respect, and he's like, I don't want to do this
0: anymore. (laughs) That's just the excuse for them to not have to make another season.
1: Well, that's fine. I don't want to see Boba Fett anytime soon again. Especially not
2: as him just getting beat up all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just excited for Mando Season 3 and the Kenobi show.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder what they're going to do with Mando Season 3 now, because it feels like... A lot of the first two or three episodes has already happened. Yeah.
2: Also, like, I find it hard to believe that Grogu just, like, doesn't do anything else with his Jedi-ness anymore.
1: Okay, so can I drop my fan theory? I don't think I've told this to you guys. My theory is that the eventual end of the whole Mandalorian saga, which I'm sure will continue probably several years past when it feels like it should naturally end because it's so big. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, they, like, set up that, you know, Grogu lives so much longer than everyone else. Mm -hmm. My theory is that the eventual end of everything will be a flash-forward 25 years, and we'll see Grogu training as a Jedi for real under Rey and Finn in her Jedi Academy. Because she's around, Daisy Ridley is around, and that's how they'll jump, like, into the sequels a little bit, is that he will be... Whatever, like a 50- or 60-year-old Padawan in her Jedi Academy.
0: Well, he's already 50, so he'd be like a 75 or something. Oh, that's right, yeah. I was thinking he was... But that would work. He'd still be young by Yodette standards. hmm Oh, yeah. I, I mean, doesn't he have... The Mandalorian has his mission now. He's just been screwing around because he owed Boba a favor.
2: Yeah, that's the other thing. It's going to be such a cool scene of him like with the dark saber walking through Mandalore like through the mines or yeah. whatever. That's that could be
0: so cool. It's, yeah. Do you think that's eventually leading to something with Crimson Dawn and him as like those being the villains of season 3?
1: That's what I thought was going to happen this uh, this season. Yeah. And then the fact that it didn't, I kind of don't know so much anymore.
0: I think Amelia Clark and the dude who plays whoever they have playing Darth Maul now are going to Christoph Waltz right on in there at the end of season 3 of The Mandalorian and retroactively make all three previous seasons including Boba Fett like have a single behind the scenes antagonist, you know. Maul's well, Darth Maul's dead. dead. Yeah, but that never takes. No, no he's real dead now. <laughs>
1: I do want to see, like... Like, Solo felt so much like a pilot episode of a TV show. Yeah! Yeah. Just give us, like, the three years later Han Solo with Alden Ehrenreich going up against Kira and Maul as, like, a bad
0: team.
2: I feel like they could definitely pull that for a Disney Plus show.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's Star Wars. I'll watch it. I don't care. I don't have any dignity about that whatsoever. (laughs) All right, well... That's probably enough of the star talk. Thanks for talking about another famous New Zealander, Tamara Morrison, whose mm-hmm. frightening pearly whites are the image I will carry with me uh,
1: <laughs> for the rest
0: of <laughs> eternity from this show. Him like just a smiling bump, there. <laughs> Up next, in a mere 23 weeks, we will be discussing Jordan Peele's
1: note. Wait, 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 we should say we're recording this before the nope trailer drops during the super bowl so that's why we haven't talked about it yeah but probably next week we will talk about it yeah
0: we will we will be here to unpack everything from that trailer also as we finish up this series um with the last remaining uh taika waititi jojo rabbits from 2019 you know the deal stay frosted Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Wade lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.